an RSVP look like to the greatest announcement of all time? It's a different kind of RSVP. It's not a form you fill out and, and let them know you're coming. Perhaps maybe we thought that as at some distant time and place ago, we thought it was just sort of a decision card that maybe we filled out when we were a kid to follow Jesus. Or maybe we think that the RSVP is making sure that we show up at church every Sunday or every other Sunday or once a month or two times a year or whatever. But is that really what we're talking about here? This RSVP to the greatest announcement and invitation ever. God makes an announcement. He, he is sending his son in the form of this child, this baby. And this, this child is going to be the hope of the nations. He's going to inaugurate or begin a, a new way of living, a new kingdom with different values. The old script is flipped on its head. And the economy that we know becomes upside down. It's a kingdom that has some different values. And, and he's inviting all of us, every one of us. And 2,000 years later, we're still left with this same invitation. A daily invitation, really. An hourly invitation. We've been waiting and we've been waiting and, and the church has set up this time in our calendar year and these 52 weeks of Sundays to, and this specific time to celebrate the birth of Jesus. It's not just a one-day celebration. We, it's, it's an entire month Advent leading up to the birth of Jesus. An old Benedictine nun and author, Joan Christer, writes this. The year opens with Advent. The season that teaches us to wait for what is beyond the obvious. It trains us to see what is behind the apparent. Advent makes us look for God in all those places we have until now ignored. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be wholly pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The church has set up this time, the church, capital C, this, this time to experience symbolically the, the weight that we are all waiting for. For Christ's second coming that final restoration of all things. We lit the candle of hope and the wreath, the Advent wreath. Advent means waiting to some degree. So it's kind of easy to talk about waiting and, and, and what waiting looks like and how we should wait, which we'll, we'll get to a little later on. But how, though, is only part of what is happening. The other questions worth asking are, why are we waiting and what are we waiting for? And what does waiting mean? 
What are we waiting for? Why are we waiting? Well, the way we answer these questions drastically shapes the way we live and how we act from day to day. So what is Advent and and what is all this waiting all about? Advent, at some level, is the waiting for Christ's return and setting all things right. The second coming. It's trusting in His promise that He is going to do what He said He's going to do. It's receiving the grace to know that I cannot save the world, but I can participate with God in His salvation of all things. There's an invitation. Advent is also more of a solidarity with the church over the last 2,000 years. 2,000 plus years. We've been celebrating Advent. And the tension of the kingdom of God being now and not yet. We live knowing that the kingdom is is alive here and now. We see it. We experience it. We we know it's spreading. We see it integrated into everything. And we desperately try to live as part of this kingdom because it is where life is found. And it helps us to be who we were created to be. This kingdom came when when Jesus was was born, when the announcement was made. In the same breath, though, we we live in this awkward tension, right? Of the kingdom still not being fully realized. And sometimes this kingdom, perhaps, or this tension, rather, seems to be a little more obvious. We still see hate and violence everywhere. We still see such obvious examples that the world is not right. All we need to do sometimes is look as far as the closest mirror or phone when we're taking a selfie. So there's this tension. The world is supposed to be one way, but it isn't. And and the way the world should be is out there and it's making ground and it's growing. Do not Do not buy into the lie that the church is dying. The church is not dying. The church is growing and exploding. The expression of church that maybe we are used to, some of those old beautiful buildings, maybe they are. And maybe we're hanging on, hanging on, hanging on to it, and God's trying to do a new thing and let's say let it go. Because he is growing, he is moving, he is on the move. The lion is on the prowl. The kingdom is growing, but there's this tension. The world's supposed to be one way, but it isn't. The way the world should be is out there. It's making ground, but so is the way the world shouldn't be. We live in this uneasy tension of the kingdom being fully present and yet nowhere to be found. So we wait. We wait for the kingdom to be fully realized. We wait for the kingdom to be fully here. We wait. And we learn what it looks like to wait. And to read again, here is what Jesus says about waiting. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, verses 35 through 48. I'm reading from the NIV. Jesus says this, he says, Be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning. 
like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. It will be good for those servants whose master finds them watching when he comes. Truly, I tell you, he will dress himself to serve, will have them recline at the table, and will wait on them. It will be good for those servants who, whose master finds them ready, even if he comes in the middle of the night or, or toward daybreak. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would have not let his house be broken into. You also must be ready, because the Son of Man will come at an hour when you do not expect him. The story of Jesus and the announcement of Jesus demands for us a response. It demands an RSVP. It's an invite, and it's a, and it's a calling to us to answer. Many of us have, have mistaken the RSVP as a passive thing that you do once, and you say, yes, I'm in. Whew, I'm in. But I think Jesus has something else in mind. Jesus compares the RSVP process to servants waiting for their master to come home. You see, Jesus takes waiting very seriously. These servants respond by their waiting, which, which, which seems to be synonymous, if you will, with watching and preparing for the arrival. Waiting in this case, when concerning Jesus, is not some passive understanding that something <clears throat> excuse me, is going to happen one day. Waiting in this instance is not like sitting at the stoplight at 105 in Valley Crucis. When you're not at the stoplight in Valley Crucis, you're, you're at Mill Ridge. <laughs> it's not that kind of waiting. It's an aggressive waiting. Wait a minute. Aggre it's an aggressive waiting that takes over our entire life, preparing ourselves, preparing our environment for the coming of the master. It's, there's a waiting, and then there's waiting. And if any of you who have ever worked in the service industry at a restaurant, you understand the kind of waiting I'm talking about. When you wait on a table, it's preparing. active. So during this season of Advent, we wait in two different ways. We're going to talk about them briefly, both of them. First of all, active waiting, and secondly, hopeful waiting. Our waiting is always shaped by alertness to the word. It is waiting in the knowledge that someone wants to address us. And the question is, are we home? Are we at our address, ready to respond to the doorbell. We need to wait together to keep each other at home spiritually so that when the word comes, it can become flesh in us. That is why the book of God is always in the midst of those who gather. We read the word so that the word can become flesh and have a whole new life in us. Just quoting, quoting the late Henry Nowen. So are we ready? Is our house ready? And what are we doing? The scriptures are full of this language of waiting, this active 
waiting. And it doesn't mean to just sit around and impatiently for something. Again, it's not 105 Valley Fuchsia stoplight. But 1 Corinthians 4 or 5, rather. Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motive of men's hearts. And then each man's praise will come to him from God. It's waiting like Hebrews 9, 28. So Christ also, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him. And Romans 8, 23. And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for the adoption of sons. For the redemption of our body. This isn't just about being aware. This is about ordering our lives so it is consistent with what is coming and with what is real. That's why we spend so much time studying what the kingdom of God looks like. We are We are to be actively participating in bringing this kingdom to earth while we wait. And if we don't know what it looks like, then then we think waiting just means going somewhere on a Sunday and doing good church until, until something happens. It's like a really lame pep rally at a high school. I've been to a few. (laughs) It's not what we're talking about. That kind of waiting is, is, is a waiting of something to happen so we can get out of here. It's an escapist theology of rapture or of leaving this earth. But, but the scripture tells us that the kingdom of God is here and now. When we ascribe to that form of waiting, we end up being devoid of responsibility or action while we sit around and just wait for something to happen. Don't hear me wrong. Lord, come quickly. That's our prayer. But the kingdom of God is here and now. And what are we doing if we're just saying, Lord, come quickly, and we're sitting on our hands and not doing anything? I don't think we're living into the life that Jesus has for us. According to his word. Waiting the way Jesus is speaking about is as a a community. It's all those things that T and I were were looking and learning and and gleaning from each other over this last month. Waiting the way Jesus is a a community. Creating the the right environment for our waiting to manifest itself into active participation. Getting in the game. The second type of waiting is, is, is hopeful waiting. And this isn't wishful waiting. There's a difference. Wishes are when you wait for something specific, and when you don't get it, you get depressed. Lord, I wish I was 30 pounds lighter. Man, I'm not. Guess I'll go eat some more. Wishful waiting is like trying to control the future. Hopeful waiting is an open-ended and, open-ended and it's left in the control of the one who made the promise. Jesus by the way, is the one who made the promise. Hopeful waiting is wet cement. 
It, it's why we have such a hard time with it. It's why I have such a hard time with it. We, we tie our waiting in with our wishes for how things should, rather, should happen rather than tying it into the promises that tell us what is going to happen. Wishful waiting is about getting our way and, and, and what we can get out of it. Hopeful waiting is allowing our life to be shaped by promises that are soon to be fulfilled. Wishful waiting gets me impatient real fast. I wish this light would change. I wish there wasn't so much traffic. I wish that that thing that I wanted on Black Friday was there when I needed to go get it. Because you're getting what you expect. Hopeful waiting is patiently living as if it already happened because one day it will. Waiting patiently in expectation is the foundation of the spiritual life. That's why it's so hard. It's simple, but oh, it's not easy. So how do we actively wait for Christ now? So we are waiting with a hopeful expectation, yet there's something unique about hopeful waiting rather than wishful waiting. Many times when we wait in hopeful expectation, we are handed what we did not expect. We expect Christ to come and we expect God to move, but often he, he does it in very unexpected ways. Ways that we only realize when we look backwards at what God has taken us through. The Jewish people expected a Messiah and a ruler and a king conquering hero and they got one but but he came as a baby hmm. expectation ruined he, he came as a baby and he lived among us and then he was crucified opening our, ourselves up to this type of unexpected delight is the kind of waiting that we are engaged in when a pregnant woman waits in expectation for her birth, she, she starts to grow outwardly. Her body starts to change and to prepare itself while the promise inside of her starts to press up against her belly, pushing up against and, and revealing its anticipation to the world. It's this something new that we are waiting for this Advent, if we're being honest. Similarly, we, we wait for God to do something new in us and, and bring about fully his new creation. All the while living out these values now, the kingdom now but not yet. Advent, you see, is, is about forcing our individual selfish, my individual selfish schedules into the larger schedule of God's plan. It forces me to acknowledge what, what I'm actually waiting and longing for. And if I'm being really honest, it, it forces me to acknowledge and, and how I am waiting and I am longing for things that I think will fill, will fill me and don't. And if I really want to get put, peel that onion even more, and I want to look at what I'm waiting for and longing for and expecting to fill me, I just need to look at my calendar and my days and my checkbook and where I'm spending my money. Yeah. 
And the same longing we have for things to be set right is the same longing that Israel had for Jesus to show up. It came unexpectedly. It came as a baby. But it came. And so now we wait again, longing for this, the second coming, for the kingdom to fully come. Blessed is the servant whom his master will find working when he arrives. I think the lesson is, hey, let's don't be idle. Let's don't be stuck in neutral, sitting on our hands, or even worse, being fretful. Let's already be about the master's work. Let's be active. Instead of waiting, like at a stoplight, let's be waiting as if serving one another. Constantly advancing his kingdom while we wait for him to make the, the final move. Let us be a pregnant community. Preparing every possible way to, for promise to be fulfilled. We aren't preparing because the promise won't happen if we don't. We're preparing because we want to be prepared. We prepare, prepare for the, the same reason a mother prepares to have her child. It's going to happen. We want to be ready. We want to be fully experienced. We want to fully experience everything there is about it. We don't want to be asleep. We don't want to miss it. We, while we wait, let us be sensitive to the signs and the movements of the promise. Because the kingdom is moving and advancing and it is growing. Jesus' followers had to, had to change and be shaped by the promise. Because no one was ever expecting the promise to come as this tiny little baby in a manger who would eventually be crucified on a Roman cross. They were attentive to the, to the movements and what was happening around them so they could change their understanding to see what God was doing, how he was moving and doing. Their waiting consisted of them listening and being aware. The same message is found with John the Baptist in waiting for the Messiah. Repent for the kingdom of God is, hand, is at hand. I think there's some of this active waiting is, is, in, is in John's message to us. A, a way that we can wait is we can repent. It isn't a call for, for all those who have said some prayer of repentance to tell everyone else who, who hasn't to say that they're sorry for all the wrongdoing. It, it's a call to join in with the church and waiting for Christ and waiting for Jesus to make all things new. It's a call to radically shift the focus of life and start living as if you were already that new creation. It's not a guilt thing. It, 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 it's not even a thing we say. Repentance is a way of waiting actively with our lives and turning into a direction that fulfills the kingdom that is spoken of. Repentance is being smart enough to listen when you're driving down the road and Sarah... That's what I call her on your GPS, tells you to turn around and go the other way because you're going the wrong way. That's repentance. Listen and turn and go back the other way. Repentance happens when communities of people take what was once a negative, a hateful, and death dealing way to live and turn it around so that they're positive, loving, and life giving. 
When Jesus says repent, he is saying that our entire lives should match up to his kingdom that is here and now. Here and now. Not pie in the sky. Here and now. Waiting is about living a life in line with that kingdom. It's a repentant life. So while we live in this tension of restoration being now and and not yet, this kingdom that's now, we can see it, we can experience it, but yet we know it's not the not yet. We live as if it's already happened. While we wait for it to be fully realized. We live in hope, not wishful thinking. It's the candle of hope, not of wishes. Because hope is real, and a God that is real, and a faith that is real. We live in hope, not wishful thinking, that Christ will come back and will make all things right. And in the meantime, we wait, and we live as if it's already happened, because it will. Advent asks us to deal with the basics of our relationship to God through Jesus Christ. Do I really believe in Christ? Have I put my hope and trust in him? Do I see the future through the eyes of the one who came to redeem the world from the power of evil? Is there a longing within me for him to be my to be formed within, to take up residence in my personal life, in my home, in my vocation? These are not easy questions to answer. They require meditation, intention, and above all, a commitment that remains steadfast. But if we would break away from a spiritual life growing cold and a Christ who is becoming distant, we must be attentive to our spiritual discipline and long for God to break in on us with new life. And when we do this, we experience the true meaning of Advent spirituality. It's from Robert Weber. Luke 12 again, be dressed, ready for service, and keep your lamps burning like servants waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. Amen.